Convicted and Convinced, a message from God's Word for you. Here's Pastor Robert Manessis. We said that the Bible said last week in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for Him, what's the next two words or three words? He, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Amen. Our question was, is this going to be a secret or not? We said there's a prevailing teaching out in the Christian world today. They call it the secret rapture. And it claims that when Christ returns, it's going to be quiet and secret. Now, there's a, a few variations out there, but we said that this is pretty much the gist of it. That Christ will return and secretly rapture the church, believers in Jesus, away. The church will escape the great tribulation. The ones who are left will have seven years of sort of hell on earth, but they will have another opportunity or a second chance during those seven years to give their life to Jesus and be saved. The Antichrist will now appear in literal rebuilt Jerusalem in the temple and set up His throne, God will now fulfill His covenant with literal Israel or Jews, and then Christ will return again, and the millennium will be here on earth for a thousand years. This is sort of the, the, the gist of this teaching. You've sure heard of many of this. Well, we began to study last week, and we began to see that the incredible thing was is that the Jews missed the manner of His first coming, could it be that the Christians are in danger as well as misinterpreting the manner of how the second coming of Christ will be? In the first coming, we said that the Jewish nation was expecting a conquering king to show up, the Messiah, and sort of come with power and overtake the Romans and set up the kingdom back to where it used to be during the days of David and, and Solomon. But the reality is the Scriptures made it plain in the Old Testament that Christ would come not as the conquering king the first time, but quietly as a baby to save the world. Today, there's an Flip side now, today most believers believe that Christ will come secretly and quietly to sort of rapture the church just like all of a sudden away, but we said this time He's not coming quietly, He's coming as the King of kings and Lord of lords. We saw last week as we set the stage before we're going to do today is look at the verses that Christ said one will be taken and the other left because we said these are the verses that used to prove there's a secret rapture, but we're going to study what those words actually are saying. But before we looked at that, we had to say that we first have to see what the Bible says in regards to how Christ would return. Amen. We don't decipher error from error. We decipher error from truth. Okay. So how will Christ return according to the Bible? We said that when Christ returns, it will be a visible event. Jesus said every, uh, that we will see Him. In Matthew 26, He said, you will see the Son of Man coming. Revelation said every eye will see Him. Jesus said as lightning flashes in the sky and it brightens the sky, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. And lightning, when it flashes, is something that you see. It's visible. Amen. We also saw that Jesus will not touch the ground when He returns. That's key to know. 
because we were told in the spirit of prophecy that at the very last climactic deception of Satan, he will impersonate Jesus Christ and walk on this earth, and he will do marvelous and look grand and 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 splend and and his and be splend splendid splendor be splendor and many people will be deceived he will heal and and speak great things but the bible teaches that when christ returns he will not touch down on this earth will be caught up together with the resurrected um believers in the air amen key to know we also said it would be not only a visible event, the Bible says it will be a literal event. In the book of Acts, it said, this same Jesus whom you saw go up will return, the same one that you talked with and touched and hugged and was around. It's not going to be a, a spiritual coming like, oh, you know what, Wilf, Christ has come already in my heart spiritually. No, no, no. It will be a visible and literal event. Amen. The same Christ who rose and went up back to the Father, will return. It will not be a spiritual event. It will be a literal event. We then saw it will be a glorious event. Jesus said he will come with great glory, with his glory, the Father's glory, and every single angel Christ has will come with him. And we saw the perspective at the resurrection of Jesus, one angel, just one angel came, rolled back to tomb. There was lightning, an earthquake. The, the soldiers fell to the ground as dead men only because of one angel. Can you imagine every single angel God has? He must have billions. Trust me. You're not going to wake up the next morning and say, I think we missed Christ coming. That's not going to happen. It will be a glorious event. You will know it. Christ said with his glory, the Father's glory, every single angel will come with him. Then we saw that it would be an audible event. Christ will come, he said, with the sound of a trumpet, with, a great, uh, with great power. The angels will be sounding trumpets. The Bible said Christ will come and he will not keep silent. Amen. The manner of Christ's coming, what the Bible teaches, is far from secret or quiet, friends. It will be the greatest event this world has or will ever see. Amen. And then we saw that it will be a joyful event. Families will be reunited. Sin will be done away with, of course, eventually after the millennium. But Christ has to first come, and we go back with him. And we'll, that's a whole other study about the millennium. But let me tell you right now, the Bible teaches the millennium will not be here on earth, but in heaven for the saints. I might preach on that sometime later. Are you with me? This is what the Bible teaches will happen when Christ returns. We then close with this. Doesn't the Bible say that Christ will come as a thief in the night? Because they say, well, the Bible says he comes as a thief. Therefore, when he comes, you won't even know it. Well, we said this, that the Bible says, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. It's not the manner of his coming. It's the hour, the hour comes is unexpected. Nobody knows the day or hour, but the manner of his coming will not be secret. Every eye will see. The day will come as a thief unexpectedly, not the Lord himself. Are you with me? It's what the Bible teaches. The day, and you will see that more. Therefore, as we close our review, or has ever seen, nowhere in the Bible does it say that it will be a secret. Therefore, Jesus says this, therefore also be you do not expect. The appeal that Christ has for the world is to be ready now, today. Amen. 
Because one of the dangers to believe that, you know what, I I'm going to sort of take it easy until I begin to see some people vanish away, and then when I see that happening, I'll then sort of get it right because, hey, if people begin to vanish away, then I really know that it's time to get ready. No, no, no. It's now, today. Not to wait to see somebody disappear because let me tell you right now, no one's going to be disappearing. Christ will come. You're going to know it. That's why the appeal we see here, and this is the book of Joshua. I had to change that. I didn't. Sorry. This is the book of Joshua here, 24, verse 15. And it says, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, again, Joshua, not Matthew. What's this word here? Choose for yourself when? This day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. The appeal of Joshua was not later, it's now. Choose. Today. Choose when? Today. That's the appeal the Bible shows us. Today. Today. When? Today. Hebrews, take a look. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, what's the word? Today. If you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial, in, wilder in the wilderness. But exhort one another daily while it is called, what's the word? Today. Lest any of you be hardened through the, dece uh, the deceitfulness of sin. Again, the appeal is clear. Today. Today. Not tomorrow. Not when you think that people are going to vanish away. No, no, no. Today. Because guess what? Today is the day. Today. So, I want you to listen very good. You guys listening? One of the dangers of waiting to make a decision or a commitment to Jesus is that tomorrow you won't hear the Spirit talking to you as you did during that moment. Thinking that you can just wait to tomorrow or sometime in the future, your heart might be different tomorrow. And you might not hear the Spirit calling like you did that day. Amen. Therefore, today, second danger, one of the other dangers of second chances after one dies. That's it, and nobody knows when that will happen. There is no second chance after Jesus returns in the That's it. Could it be? That Satan is trying to, that if you don't make it the first round, round that is a deceitful, deceitful deception there. Quickly review to you where the Where did this come from? Now, I don't have time to get into the every intricacy of it. During prayer meeting, we're probably... It did not come from the Bible. Now, there, there was a, a show a few years ago called... ...show. Now, look at what the writer says, though, about the concept of the secret rapture. Take a look. 
new. It started with an Anglo-Irish theologian. Now, we're going to see here in a minute that the concept actually started well before this, but he's talking about the Protestant world, who in the 1830s invented the concept. This may come as a shocker to many, but it's a fact. The concept of the secret rapture is actually a relatively new concept because we see no Bible writer believed in it. Before, what's this name? John Nelson Darby imagined this scenario in the clouds. No Christian had ever heard of the rapture. But the funny thing is, almost every conservative evangelical Christian believes in it. Yes? Yes. The idea was popularized by Cyrus I. Schofield, an American minister who published a famous reference Bible in 1908 called the Schofield Bible. Anybody ever heard of the Schofield Bible before? Yeah, I used to have one. You see, the, the issue is, is that they, they would write footnotes or commentaries on what the Bible taught. And people would take the, 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 the footnotes to claim that's what the Bible teaches. You, you have to be careful with footnotes. Amen. And that developed the idea of an elaborate series of final periods in history known as dispensations. Schofield, like Darby, read the book of Revelation as a vision of the future, not a fiery dream of the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans in A.D. 70. Well, that's funny because Jesus looked at it this way right here when he said that the city would be destroyed in 70 A.D. Amen. Now, take a look. There are three ways to interpret Bible prophecy today. Preterism, historicism, and futurism. Now, again, I don't have time to get deep into it. I'm just giving you just uh, the glimpses. Historicism is a method of interpretation in Christian eschatology. That word means last day, last day events, which associates biblical prophecies with actual historical events and identifies symbolic beings with historical persons or uh, societies. This approach views the Antichrist as the papal, papal system and power, and they would rule for this a prophetic period in earth's history. This is how every Protestant reformer saw it and studied the Bible. Again, every Protestant reformer studied the Bible using the historical method. That's how the Bible teaches prophecy should be studied. Amen. Daniel 2, he gives us kingdoms that would rise and fall. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, division of Rome. God gives us history in advance. You look to history to show that God's word is true and that he knows the future. This is the way to study the Bible. Amen. Every Protestant reformer studied the Bible this way. But today now, there's something called preterism, and this is what this means. It's a view that interprets Bible prophecy as events that have already happened in the past, and Revelation and Daniel hold no last day significance. So there's this view now that is called preterism, and it means that the books of Daniel and Revelation, at least the prophetic views, are things that happened long ago. They have no... no, 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 no um, no uh, significance for us today, so you don't really have to worry about it. That's dangerous. And then there's the futurism view that interprets Bible prophecy as events that will happen still in the future in literal Jerusalem. This approach holds the Antichrist as a literal man that will arise and sits in the literal rebuilt Jewish temple still in the future, and he would rule for this literal days. In this view, they view the Antichrist as Antiochus Epiphanes and Nero uh, in Revelation. So if you ever have a Bible with footnotes, and you go to the little horn of Daniel 7 or the sea beast of Revelation 13, and you see what those footnotes say, if the footnotes say that the little horn is Antiochus Epiphanes, they're using the preterism view, and you might want to get another Bible. Amen. Because this is the correct way. It's always been this way. It's the way that God has laid out the Bible, historicist approach, history. Say amen if you're with me. So where, where did the theology of the secret rapture originate? Here we go. It will it, went, it started long before even Darby or Schofield. Take a look. 
these alternative views, preterism and futurism of studying the Bible, especially Daniel Revelation, were created by two Jesuit priests from Spain. Luis del Alcazar, he came up with the preterist view, and another Jesuit priest from Spain called Francisco Rivera came up with what we now know as the futurism approach. They, were, they, they wrote commentaries, guess on what books, of Daniel and Revelation. So these men, two Jesuit priests, wrote commentaries separate from each other on the book of Daniel and Revelation. And one came up with what we call now the preterist view that, oh, all this has to deal with the past, no significance for us today. And then Rivera did another commentary and he said, oh, no, 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 this is all still future. And what they were doing, they were taking the finger that the Bible and the Reformers knew pointed to the biblical Antichrist. So by these two views of interpretation, they were taking the finger of what the Bible uh, teaches as who the true biblical Antichrist is, and it was pointing it somewhere else. That's why so many Christians today don't even know who the Antichrist is. Now look at this, Rivera died at a young age at 54, and Jesuit Cardinal Robert B uh, Bellarmine took over where Rivera left off. By the time another Jesuit priest, Manuel de Lacunza, took over, he had tweaked Rivera's original interpretation to this. And let me ask you if this is going to sort of sound familiar or look familiar. Look at the revision that Lucunza, another Jesuit priest, made about Rivera's uh, um, uh, things. This is what he said, that the fulfillment of Revelation 4 through 12 is still future. The three and one and a half times of Antichrist's dominion are literal in literal Jerusalem, they claim. The 144,000 will be literal Jews. We've studied this. That's not true. Literal Israel will be regathered and converted during the Great Tribulation, which will take place immediately before the second coming. And God will then literally fulfill all his covenant promises to the literal nation of Israel. The millennium will be a period of peace on earth, which is not true, where people will live in their mortal bodies. During the millennium, the literal sacrificial system will be reestablished in the literal Jerusalem temple. This was what he began to, 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 to bring out. And the funny thing is, most Christians believe this today. It's like tweaked now. It's a little more, it's tweaked, but the principles are all still there. Now, once again, look at this. Slow at first, but then rapidly, some, what's the word here? Some Protestant expositors began to study and accept this prophetic interpretation. Exactly what CNN and the author said is true, that over time, some of the Protestant uh, teachers began to study these views and begin to accept them, and then they began to teach them, and it began to spread like wildfire amongst Christian believers. But again, it is a new concept not found in the Bible. Continues. In the 19th century in Britain, the futurist concept was again revived by Samuel Maitland, James Todd, William Berg, John Nelson Darby, there's that one that the article mentioned, of the Plymouth Brethren, and the renowned John Henry Newman. But when C.I. So Schofield, there's the other name that the article um, uh, mentioned, discovered them, he came up with the idea of incorporating Darby's futuristic ideas in a series of footnotes and cross-references in the King James Bible. Thus, in 1908, Nine, the famous Schofield Reference Bible was born. You go to Wikipedia, C.I. Schofield, Cyrus Schofield was an American theologian, minister, and writer whose best-selling anno annotated Bible popularized futurism and dispensationalism among fundamentalist Christians. Even Wikipedia understands what happened here. This concept of the secret rapture is not biblical at all. Because we saw when Christ returns, it will be far from secret. Can you say amen? It was originated by two Jesuit priests. You ever heard of the Counter-Reformation if you're a historian? You had the Reformation, and then you had the Counter-Reformation by the world church to counteract the Protestant movement spreading during the Reformation. Are you Counter-Reformation. And the Jesuit system was born during that time. So, as I close with this part here, the 
evangelicals will take more of the futuristic view. If that made some So, this futuristic view really hits steam. Called the Left Behind series. You ever heard of those series before? Yes or no? And then Hollywood movies began to be made from them. So, here's line a word for you. It is a novel. This is not the Bible. What happened then is that movies began to be made. It's quite entertaining. You might want to get your popcorn ready for sure. They're quite entertaining. But I want to say. And then there was a newer one. That was by Kirk Cameron. The newer one was by. movies and that began and series they began to be made and the concept is that Christ has returned and you know we've missed it and and so forth and there's being taught today that people vanish away secretly there might be two pilots in a plane one's a believer he vanished is still driving the plane, or people vanish away suddenly. Get it right, hopefully, and live in a time of hell, though, here on earth, and all this stuff is There are multiple harvests. There's a harvest when Christ comes secretly. There's another harvest. Now that the Bible says that there is only one harvest, not two. Go to Matthew 13. Let's take a look. According to the Bible, there's only one harvest. Two groups, one harvest. Two what? Two groups, sheep tares. Wheat goats, but only one harvest, not multiple harvests. Go to Matthew 13. There is only one harvest, not two. Quickly, we got a lot to cover. Matthew 13. How many harvests? How many harvests? I can guarantee you, you're going to come across friends who believe this. You want to love them, minister to them, but by God's, God's grace, know what the Bible teaches to share to them what the truth is. Can you say amen? Yeah. You might want to be taking notes too. There's only one harvest. Two groups, one harvest. Matthew 13, say amen if you're there. The Bible says in this parable of Jesus, Matthew 13, take a look carefully. Matthew 13, beginning in verse, uh, let me start here, um, verse 24 quickly. The parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. 25. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? Verse 28. Then he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Do you want us then to go gather them up? Verse 29, and he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. How many groups? Now, verse 30 is clear, I mean, is, is, is important. Take a look. Verse 30, let both grow together until the, is that word harvest singular or plural? Singular, one harvest. Two groups one harvest. Let both grow together until the what? Harvest. And at the time of the, what's the word? Harvest, singular. I will say to the reapers, first 
gather up the tares and bind them, the bundles and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. One harvest, not two. It's not, I'm going to harvest here, and then I'm going to come back and do a multiple harvest. No, 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 no. Two groups, one harvest at the coming of Christ. Amen. One harvest. How many harvests? One. Go to Matthew 13. Look at verse 39 to let us know what the harvest is. Verse 39 of Matthew 13. It says, the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest, singular, is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Can you say amen? One harvest when Christ returns. There's not one harvest here and one harvest here. One harvest. Look at Matthew 13, verse 30. Um, Matthew 13, verse uh, 47. Here's another parable about this harvest. Are you there? Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind. Verse 48. Which, when it was full, they drew it to, to shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into the vessels, but threw the bad away. Next verse. Verse 49. So it was... So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them in the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And don't miss this parable. The net was only cast out one time, not multiple times. He didn't cast out the net, reel it in, and divide them, and then cast it out again sometime later. No, no, no. There was only one harvest, only one casting out of the net, and they were all gathered in. Can you say amen? One harvest, one casting out of the net. There's not this, if you miss out the first cast, just wait for the second one. No, 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 no. Miss the first harvest, just wait for the second harvest. There isn't. There is only one harvest. There is only one casting out. Be ready now. Am I talking too fast? Are you understanding here? To think that if, well, you know, I'll wait till people start disappearing to get it right, that is a deception from the devil. The time is now. Are you with me so far? This is serious business. Revelation 22 says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Christ will come, and guess what? He wants us all to be ready then. Now look at this. In Matthew 24, 3, 27, 37, and 39, this coming is described with the word, the Greek word, parousia. You ever heard of that word before, maybe? Go to verse chapter 24 of Matthew quickly. Stay with me, friends. We're going to study today. I have such a burden. I have a burden for the truth. Anybody else? Do you know how prevalent this deception is in the world today? not the sermon of sleep. I want to wake up. Matthew 24, verse 3, the word parousia in the Greek is the word here. Chapter 24, verse 3, it says, now as, the, uh, now as they sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming, that's the word parousia there, and the end of the age. Go to verse 27. For as the lightning comes from the east and, what's the word? flashes to the west, so also will the coming, the parousia of the Son of Man be. Same word. Look at verse 37. Verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the parousia, or the coming, of the Son of Man. Look at verse 39. And did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the parousia of the Son of Man be. Now look at the screen here. Verses 29 through 31 describe this event as anything but secret. Go to verse 29 through 31. According to the Bible, this parousia, which they use in these circles to say, oh, the word. No, in the Bible, this word parousia is nothing but secret. Look at this, verse 29. Immediately 
after the tribulation of those days, the Son of Man will, uh, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and he will gather together his elect four winds from one end of heaven to another. This parousia is not a secret thing. It's the grandest thing. You guys with me so far? Now look at this. The flood in Noah's day was far from secret. It destroyed all people on planet earth except for Noah and his family. Now we get deeper. Let's go to Matthew 24. Let's study these verses. What does this mean? One will be taken and the other shall be left. We have to understand the context and everything else we've studied. Can you say amen? These are the verses that they claim is saying that one will be secretly raptured away. One will be taken, the other will be left. Let's see really, in regards to the context, what Christ truly is saying here. We let the Bible interpret itself. Can you say amen? Not a novel, not a Hollywood. If you're going to base your theology and salvation on a novel and on Hollywood, God bless you. Actually, God be with you. We let Jesus tell us what he means, that one will be taken and the other shall be left. Are you ready? You guys ready? Matthew 24, here we go. Beginning in verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Now look at the context. What's the word? I'm going to get you guys to do jumping jacks. This is important. Context. What's the word? Context. Okay. The context of one shall be taken and the other shall be left is the context of the days of Noah. Take a look. Verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So whatever happened during the days of Noah is a parallel of what will be when Christ returns. Yes or no? Well, many aspects there, but at least, uh, yeah, a lot to learn there, but we're going to look at one. We continue verse 38, for as, it, for as in the days before the flood, look at this, they were eating and drinking and marrying and, gi and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, verse 39, look at this, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other shall be left. Now here's the thing. What's the context? What's the context of these verses? The days of Noah. That's the key. Jesus said that as it was in the days of Noah, the flood came and took them all the way. Then he said, so will it be when he returns. Some will be in the field, one will be taken, and the other shall be left. We're going to see here from the Bible that the word taken is not what most people think it's saying. You ever heard of the phrase, let's go take the city? Yes or no? What does that mean to go take the city? To destroy it. Okay. Stay with me. Let's see what Jesus means by this. Jesus. Days of Noah, then he continues, verse 40. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other shall be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and the other shall be left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour, not manner, but timing, your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man comes at an hour, not manner, but timing. You guys with me? So, let's go to the days of Noah, Genesis chapter 7. 
because this is the context that Christ is giving us. One will be taken and the other shall be left, as it was in the days of Noah. So Jesus said they were out there and those who were outside the ark were taken by the flood. Well, my question is, what happened to those that were outside the ark? They died, were lost, and they were destroyed by the flood. Yes or no? They were taken. Genesis 7, take a look. The reality is, is that the word taken here and left is completely opposite of what people think it's saying because of these novels and this approach that they're taking. In Genesis 7, look at verse 13. We're not going to read the whole chapter, obviously. Look at verse 13. Are you there? On the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them, and what did they do? Entered the ark. Go to verse 17. Now the flood was on the earth forty days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. Okay? Now go to verse 21. Let's see what happens. Verse 21. And all flesh, what's the word? Died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth and every man. All in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, all that was on the dry land died. So he destroyed. What's the word? What's the word? Yeah, hold on to that word destroyed. You're going to see it again. So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping thing, and the bird of the air. They were, what's the word? Destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive or were left. Look at this here. The NIV translates it this way. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out or taken. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. The word taken here, we're going to get deeper into this, is like how used in like, let's go take the city, let's go take that village. It means to be destroyed. The context is the days of Noah. Those who were outside, Jesus said, go back to Matthew 24 quickly, look at the context. The word taken here does not mean taken to heaven. It actually means be destroyed. And then we'll see how this applies to the coming of Jesus. But the ones who are left are the ones that are saved. Go to Matthew 24 again quickly. Look at how Jesus is using this word, not how Hollywood thinks or a novel thinks or what any Jesuit priest thinks or anybody else thinks. We let the Bible tell us, amen. Are you back in Matthew 24, yes or no? Okay, look at verse 37 again, Matthew 24, verse 37. We just saw what happened there in the days of Noah. The flood came and destroyed all those that were outside. They were taken, and the only ones that were left was Noah and his family, the remnant righteous. We're in Matthew 24. Look at verse 37 again. Say, man, if you're there. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Verse 39, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Two men will be taken, one will be in the uh, one, two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. But here's my question, those who were taken in the days of Noah, was it a good thing or a bad thing? A bad thing. But today, if you're taken, it's a good thing. Go to Luke 17, Luke describes it. The reality is, I don't want to be taken, I want to be left. I know that might sound like, what? That's not what I saw in the movies. The reality is, I don't want to be taken. I want to be left. Luke 17, look at how Luke says it. Say, man, we're in Luke 17. 
Luke 17, look at beginning in verse 26. Are we there? The Bible says, Luke 17, verse 26, and as, it, and as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. In the Matthew's account, he says, and took them away. It's the same thing. Those that are taken are destroyed. The word is used there like, let's go take the city. It doesn't mean they're taken to heaven. The word means destroyed. I don't want to be taken. I want to be left. He continues. Verse 28, likewise, likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, and they bought, they sold, and they planted and built now look at verse 30, um, 35, 35, verse 35 says, two women will be grinding together, one will be taken and the other left, two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left, but what's the context? It's the days of Noah. Jesus said they took them away, they were destroyed. Luke said they were destroyed. Look at the screen, please, look at the screen. The word taken in the context of the language of the Bible is usually referred to as something or, or something or persons being destroyed. Let me give you three examples from the Bible. It's on the screen. Here we go. Joshua, and it will be when you have, what's the word? Taken the city that they will be set, set the city on fire according to the commandment of the Lord you shall do. See, I have commanded you. Look at this. He continues. Now when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke of the city ascended, they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. Then the others came out of the city against them. So they were caught in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on the, uh, that side. And they struck them down so that they let none of them remain or escape. The word taken in the Bible means to be destroyed. Another example, Jeremiah. Now Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison until the day that Jerusalem was, what's the word? Taken. And he was there when Jerusalem was taken in the ninth year of Zedekiah, the king of Judah. In the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army came against Jerusalem and besieged it. The word taken is not the way that they're using it today. I don't want to be taken. I want to be left. Satan has reversed the meanings of the Bible. Isn't it crazy and interesting? Look at this, a few more. Stay with me. Psalm, for the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be, what's the word? Taken in their pride, and for the cursing and lying which they speak, consume them in wrath. Consume them, and that they may not be. What does the word consume mean? right. And let them know that God rules in Jacob to the ends of the earth. Can you say amen? Are you with me so far? We let the Bible interpret what the words mean. Amen. One will be taken and the other shall be left. And in the context there is the days of Noah. The word taken again means to be destroyed. Well, look at that, what that means when Christ returns. But are you with me? Look at this. The word left in the context of the language of the Bible, is usually referred to as the remnant that was left or remaining. Some examples, Isaiah 4, 3, and it shall come to pass that he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy, everyone who, who is recorded among the living in Jerusalem. The word, le the word left uh, means remains, and it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Those are the ones that are called holy. Isaiah 11, it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand against the second time to recover the remnant of his people who are what? Left. There will be a highway for the remnant, those who are left, of his people who will be left from Assyria as it was for Israel in the day that he came from the land of Egypt. You see, after Assyria conquered there, there was still a remnant left of God's people. Can you say amen? I don't want to be taken. I want to be left. One more, Isaiah 24, behold, the Lord makes the earth empty and makes it waste. 
distorts its surface and scatters abroad its inhabitants. The land shall be entirely emptied and utterly plundered, for the Lord has spoken this word, and the earth mourns and fades away. The world languishes and fades away. The haughty people of the earth languish. Look at this. Therefore, the curse has devoured the earth, and those who dwell in it are desolate. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men are left. The left are the remnant that are saved. The taken are the ones that are destroyed and the lost. Today, Satan has the world believing that you want to be taken away uh, to heaven, and the ones that are left, oh no, you're going to go through that great tribulation and all that. No, 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 that's not what the Bible's teaching at all. One harvest. Two groups, one harvest. So, how does this look like when Christ returns? Let's take You guys ready? That is the wording we see in the days of Noah. Let me ask you a question. When the the doors of the ark shut, did people outside have a second chance to get in? No. The very context of Matthew 24 and Luke 17, one shall be taken and the other shall be left. How does this work in regards to the second coming? Here we go. It's found back, what we read here in Matthew 13. Take a look carefully. Let both grow together until the what? Harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in the bundles to burn them. Let me ask you, if there's a first they're mathematically must have a what? The Bible says that first get the tares, which are the lost, and burn them, or you can just say, take them away. And what's left? The remnant. Do you see that? Do you see that? First gather the tares, and, you know, the fire burned them, take them away, took them away, destroyed them. Well, who's left? The remnant will inherit the kingdom. This is what the Bible teaches. One will be taken, the other one shall be left. You guys with me? Today you've heard the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus said the wicked would be gathered and taken or destroyed. First, brightness of his coming, the righteous remnant will be left to inherit his everlasting kingdom. It all occurs at the second coming. And if you want to write these verses down, we're not going to go to them. 2 Thessalonians 1, 5 through 10 tells us that the wicked will be destroyed by the brightness of Christ's coming. It also, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, shows us that when Christ returns, he says, and those who remain will be caught up together with me in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. Those who remain, those who are left. Are you with me? Then why in the world does the majority of Christians today believe the complete opposite? Is it because Satan wants to deceive the whole world? Oh, Dylan, don't worry. Just if you see somebody vanish, then you know you might have another. No, no, no. Today is the day. Today. There will not be a secret rapture. I'm sorry to break it to you. I don't want to be taken. I want to be left to inherit God's kingdom. Anybody else? All right, let me... Begin to head this home here. The natives are getting restless. In this left-behind scenario, one is secretly vanished away before the tribulation, but that is not what the Bible teaches either. Now, before I go to that, go quickly back to Luke 17. Then I'm going to finish with these small little tidbits here on the screen. Go back to Luke 17 quickly. Look at again what Luke 17 says. We're almost there. 
before, I, I'm going to be gone for two weeks. I wanted to sort of, you know, let you, I wanted to leave town before you got stoned me, okay? So, Luke 17. Is this making sense? From the Bible, okay? Luke 17, look at this again. Luke 17, again, look at this. I'm going to show you again here that Jesus did not mean that you're taken into heaven when, in that secret rapture scenario. Are you in Luke 17? Okay, again, verse 26, 27, as it, days, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were giving a marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and with what? Destroyed them all. Okay, now, go skip down. Now, look at this, look at this. Now, look at verse um, 29. But in the day of Lot, when out of the Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and what? Destroyed them. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Verse 32, he says, remember Lot's wife. What happened to Lot's wife? That's right. All the context, all the context is, is being destroyed. He, he's not saying, no, all the context is of one will be taken, one will be left. Every context is those that are taken away or destroyed. Now we come to verse, go to verse um, uh, 35, two women will be grinding together. One will be taken, the other left. Verse 36, two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Verse 37, and they answered and said to him, where, Lord? Now, look at this. The question isn't where are they left because Christ just told them where they were. The question is, where are they taken? And look at the answer of Jesus. Wherever the body is, there the eagles, the vultures, will be gathered together. Lord, where are they taken? Christ did not say, oh, they're taken to heaven. No, no, no. They're destroyed. They are taken by the brightness of my glory that when I come, and only the remnant who are left will inherit the kingdom. That's the biblical teaching. And one will be taken, the other one shall be left. Guys with me? All right. Now let me end with these tidbits here. Again, I'm gone the next two weeks. Just stay with me. So in this behind stereo, one that secretly vanished away before the tribulation but that is not what the Bible teaches. Look what the Bible says in Daniel. At that time, Michael shall stand up, that great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone found written in the book. Look at this. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. My question is, when are those who are sleeping in the dust awakened? What event? And the dead in Christ will rise first, Paul says. So he says that before those are awakened from sleep, he says clearly there's going to be a time of trouble before that. Go to Revelation quickly, chapter 16. I got one verse for you. Revelation 16, look at this here. This is incredible. Of all the verses, Revelation 16, quickly go there. Revelation 16, say amen when you get there. Look at the context here, Revelation 16, quickly. So, in Revelation 16, we have the seven last plagues, yes or no? Okay. Now, in the secret rapture scenario, they claim that God's people are raptured away secretly before the last plagues or before the great tribulation. Are you with me? But look at the context. Look, in verses uh, 2 through um, 12 or 11, we have five plagues that have already fallen, yes or no? Yes, okay, if you have headers, you're going to see that the first bowl in verse 2, second bowl in verse 3, uh, bowl 3, or the, the, the plague 3 in verses five, 4 through 7, the, the, the plague 4 is in 8 and 9, and the plague 5 is 10 and 11. Are you with me? Now we come to the sixth plague, and there's only seven, okay, so all, all the plagues are falling on the earth, and look at verse 15, look at verse 15, look at verse 15. Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Why would Christ say during the sixth plague that he's coming as a thief if he had already come as a thief before the plagues? Did you get it? They claim that Christ comes as a thief to secretly rapture people away before the plagues. But the Bible says that Christ says that during the sixth plague. 
That means he hasn't come yet as a thief. Do you see that? Nowhere in the Bible do you see God, God delivering his people from it. He protects them through the trials. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't taken out of the flame. God was with them through the flames. He didn't take Daniel from the lion's den. He was with Daniel in the lion's den. God will protect his people during the seven last plagues. Hold fast, he says. I'm almost here. I'm with you. Can you say amen? All right, one more thing here. Now look at this. In the book by Tim LaHaye, No Fear of the Storm, Why Christians Will Escape All the Tribulation, but if you come to page 188, I'm quoting him, no single verse specifically states Christ will come before the tribulation. And he, there is no verse. Christ comes after, but he protects them through it, and he delivers them. So, through the Bible... Though the Bible speaks of a time of trouble, God's people will, will be protected. I just said that. Last one here. Also, the left-behind scenario claims that the Antichrist is revealed after the church is secretly raptured away. But in 2 Thessalonians, it makes it plain that the Antichrist is revealed before Jesus comes and is destroyed by the brightness of his coming. Let me tell you something, friends. If you're waiting for the Antichrist to come after you're gone, good luck. The reality is the Antichrist's power is here and well, and he's gaining in strength, and his wound is almost healed. Hook, line, and sinker. Let me give you one story as we close here. I was doing some meetings in Summit, Mississippi at a college, community college. And people came to the meetings and I began to preach to them, of course, what the Bible teaches. And there was this lady. After the meetings were over, praise God, we had, we had interests and some were baptized. Can you say amen? But listen. After the meetings, I have a continued study back at the church, and she came, among others. I'm pointing this, this lady out. And I reviewed with them again what the Bible teaches in regards to the second coming of Jesus. And she, I kid you, she says to me, Pastor, I see what the Bible says, but this version is just so boring. I like the other version better. It's just so more exciting, and she never came back. Isn't that sad? Oh, I like the other version better. Let's, let me stick with that. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by the word or by the letter, as if it were us, though the day of the Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means. Okay? And this is, them, this is describing that. I want to get to this. Yet people don't want to follow or believe the Bible, but they will believe what is popular, what is in fictional books, or what they see in Hollywood. If I was you, I wouldn't trust my theology or salvation on Hollywood or any fictional book. If you believe that if you don't get secretly raptured, you can have another chance, that is exactly what Satan wants you to think. Just wait. The reality, you're gonna, you're, you're, the reality your, your time to get right with God is now. That is what the Bible teaches. Now is the time. The choices you make now is what is most important. God says, give me your life now. While Satan says, just wait. You will have a second chance after Christ returns. No. Now listen, God is a God of multiple chances. Can you say amen? As long as you're breathing, there's a chance. But after Jesus returns, he's wrapped it all up, friends. The time is now. The time is now.
friends, the majority of the world is waiting for this false scenario to occur. You will leave here today, and for those who are watching online, you will leave here today knowing the truth. I don't want to be taken. I want to be left. Do you know what I just said there is contrary to the majority of the Christian belief? But it's the biblical belief. I want to be left to inherit the kingdom when Christ returns. I want to be part of the remnant who remain. God wants to see you in eternity, friends. If there's somebody online who might be the first time they even heard this and you're just like blown away, like I've never, I can't believe this. Believe it. It's biblical. When Christ returns, every eye will see him. It's not going to be a secret. Today, today is the time to give your life to Jesus. Now. 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 Baptism, rebaptism, whatever God is convicting you to do, now. Doesn't mean you're going to get baptized tomorrow. It just means that the process begins and God knows your heart, friends. But please, I want to ask, did this make sense today? Did this make sense today? Did you see it from the Bible? Raise your hand if you did. Okay. Good, 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 good. It's all that matters. Not, oh, what Pastor Robert said. No, what Pastor showed me from the Bible. So who here today? Look, who here today? wants to say to God, Lord, I don't want to be taken. I want to be left. <laughs> Anybody? Amen. I want to be left. I want to remain to inherit the kingdom. This podcast is a service of the University Parkway Seventh-day Adventist Church in Pensacola, Florida. Our weekly podcasts are recorded every Saturday morning. Bible study begins at 9.30. The sermon begins at 11. You are invited to join us. We live stream the 11 o'clock service. You can catch that broadcast at our website, universitypkwy.org, or at Livestream. A library of previous messages is available on our YouTube channel, and on our website. Thank you for listening.